0: St. John Baptist Church for calling me and inviting me to come, worship with you, and seek the Lord with you. Appreciate y'all's pastor, love him, praise God for him, excited for him. God's opened a new chapter in his life, amen, as he now continues to walk by faith and not by sight and see what the Lord has in store, Amen. amen. Appreciate you. Thank all the ones that prepared the meal. It was good, it was wonderful, and um, it was a blessing. And we had a wonderful fellowship, and uh, we always do here, amen. And so I thank y'all for your kindness, for your love, for your prayers, your support to the mission work through the year, uh, through your monthly giving, and uh, the work is continuing on, amen. We're uh, fixing to start a pastor school, I think I done told you that. and. but uh, that's fixing to get kicked off. And then all the other work we got on going on in, in other countries. And um, so we thank God for you and your prayers and involvement in that. And um, good to have Brother Charles and his wife with us last two services. Appreciate y'all, brother. love you and thank God for you. Amen. And I tell you, boy, I'm, y'all pray for your pastors. Amen. The Bible says a pastor is a gift from God. Amen. They are a gift to the church, and you got a pastor. You pray for him. You love him. You encourage him, because these days and times, pastors are very discouraged and um, getting fewer and fewer. And um, so we we love our pastors. And so you express your love to them, appreciate them, thank y'all for coming, brother. Thank each one of you, all the visitors that are here. We pray that when we leave, we see it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I and mean, I've already been blessed. If you have your Bible, we're going to turn tonight. Now, our text tonight that we're going to be looking at uh, is going to be in Micah 7 and verse 18 and 19. Micah 7 and verse 18 and 19 will be our text. We'll read that, and then we're going to back up. And um, connect everything together. Uh, we've been speaking about forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness. And uh, we've only began not even hardly to scratch the surface. Amen. Right. Because forgiveness runs through the entire Word of God. I mean from Genesis to Revelations. I mean the whole work of God. I mean, brother, it is founded and based upon His sovereignty and His willing to forgive. And so, if He wasn't a forgiving God, it would have been over in the garden. Amen. It would just been done. And so, I thank God for forgiveness. If you found your place, Micah 7, and we'll stand. Verse 18, if you're not able to stand, it's okay. You don't have to. says, who is, who is a God like unto thee, who pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us, He will subdue our iniquities. Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Let's pray. Father, tonight, Lord, we do thank You that You are long-suffering, gentle, kind, a God that pardons iniquity. Because, Lord, where else can we go, O oh, guilty sinners as we are? But Lord, we thank You that by Your Spirit You put in our hearts, we're able to call You Abba Father. And Lord, by Your grace, You allow us access into Your very throne room. And Lord, that we can bow at Your nail-scarred feet. And Lord, we remember the very price that was paid pay for our redemption, your shed blood that came from your pierced body, that veil of flesh that was rent. Oh Lord, we just stand in awe, Lord, of your goodness and your grace. And Father, we're asking tonight that you would do a work in all of our hearts and all of our lives. I've not arrived or obtained Lord, forgive me of the sins of filthiness of flesh and spirit. Wash me now, Lord. I don't want to grieve your quit by you from working and moving right here in our lives. We might experience you to the degree that you desire us to know you. Oh, God, help us. Help us is our cry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may amen. be seated. Last night, we looked at Ahithophel. Ahithophel was a great man. He was second only to King David. But he had a grief. I mean, he served King David. He trusted King David. He was loyal to King David. He was King David's counselor. But because of the sin of King David, David had took his granddaughter and committed adultery with her. David had taken Uriah, his his grandson-in-law, and had him murdered. So he had a right to grieve. And there's times in all of our lives when we get blindsided and and we get hurt by friends and family. And so in that grief he bore a grudge. Now we read the scriptures last night in Ephesians 4 and verse 30 it said grieve not the holy spirit of God by whom you are sealed unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now we saw because he bore a grudge, he went out and spoke evil of David. He tried to use his position and power and prestige to to, uh, uh, encourage the people to follow Absalom in his rebellion against King David to overthrow the king and take over. So in his grudge, he is speaking evil of King David. I mean, he... He does not desire to get right, but to get even. He's he's vengeful. He wants revenge. This word malice, it means hatred and ill will with the content to cause harm. I mean, that's just hateful, folks. And so here... He said to Absalom, if you will give me some men, I will hunt David down and I will kill him myself. Brother, that hatred and ill will toward David, that malice alien, he wants him dead. And I'll kill him myself. And we began looking in this series that how the work of God is hindered Because of unforgiveness. First of all, we've seen where because of our past sins, we bar our shame and our guilt and our blame, and we render ourselves useless in the kingdom work of God. I'm not worthy. I can't do this. I can't do that. Because we walk and trying to walk with God looking back at our sin. Because we don't understand forgiveness. Now folks, the very faith that we've got to appropriate in salvation, we're going to have to appropriate that faith in sanctification. Faith. Faith in what? The Word of God. He is who He says He is. So therefore, we're going to have to appropriate faith. We don't walk with God by sight, but by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. Anything that's not of faith is seen. And so it said in Ephesians, Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now we seen that Ahithophel's grudge took him to his grave. He went out and hung himself on the tree of unforgiveness. He wouldn't forgive. And so therefore, he was rendered useless in the kingdom work of God. Now, we also looked last night, here this passage tells us to forgive one another. We also read last night that we are to pray for those that hate us and despise us and persecute us, and wrongly and wrong us. And He tells us how to pray for them. We saw last night in Matthew 6, it says, as we're in our prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, here's another area where The church is hindered in the kingdom work of God. The church is bound because it's full of unforgiveness. Unilateral. Unilateral, that's a big word, amen. I ain't got a handle on it yet. Remember last night the pastor said, and that's what he was getting at, this forgiveness I was preaching last night is unilateral. Unilateral forgiveness is, I choose to forgive the one that has harmed me or spoken evil against me or unjustly attacked me or backbites me or even bears malice toward me unjustly or justly. But I choose, amen, they may not have repented, they have not come and requested forgiveness. But I'm not going to wait upon them. Because I realize this unforgiveness is breaking my fellowship with God. It's horizontal. So in order for me to maintain the right fellowship horizontally, amen, with God, then therefore there's got to be unilateral forgiveness. Because he said at the end of that prayer, verse 14 of Matthew 6, For if if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And remember we covered last night, God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then he said in Colossians 3, Amen, as Christ has forgiven you, so do ye also to them. See, we want God forgiven us, but we don't want to forgive them and we don't want God forgiving them. So therefore the Holy Ghost of God is grieved and bound and the church is bound up over this issue of forgiveness. Verse 15, but if you forgive men their trespasses, if you will forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's some serious stuff. We wonder why our country is like it is. Judgment must begin at the house of God. Not my brother, my sister, it's me, oh Lord. It's my sin. And so we see this unilateral forgiveness in Genesis 37. In the life of Joseph, God gives Joseph a dream. And that all his brothers are going to bow down to him, and he tells of the dream that he had, and the Bible said his brothers hated him. They was jealous of him. They were envious of him. And the Bible said they wouldn't even speak a, a kind word toward him. Maybe They spoke evil to him. Called him a dreamer. You will never rule over us. You're the younger, we're the elder. It ain't going to happen. And so, Joseph, they take him, you know the story, and they sell him into slavery. Now watch what unforgiveness does. Unforgiveness harms innocent bystanders. They went home and purposely lied to their daddy. Now they hated Joseph. They loved their daddy. But how hateful and how harmful and and how hideous it is, they told their poor daddy, a a, a beast has eaten Joseph and he's dead. And they, they purposely lied to him. Amen. And now the daddy is grieving over his son. Innocent bystander, all over this issue of forgiveness. Years go by, the daddy is day and night grieving over his son. How hateful is that? See, I'm telling you, boy, when we hate somebody and we we bear a grudge against somebody, we don't care who gets hurt, as long as we get our way. So Joseph is hated by his family and lied on by a female. Unjustly put in prison. An innocent man. But the years go by he keeps his mind upon God because in Genesis 39 three times it says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. The years go by and you know Pharaoh had a dream and and now by the Hand of God. The sovereignty of God. He's delivered out of prison and elevated second in command only behind Pharaoh. A ruler over all the kingdom. Now I want to read you something now. Talking about unilateral forgiveness. Joseph forgives his brethren. I read that in the Bible. Twenty years has passed. Twenty years after they sold him in slavery, he has spent years in prison unjustly, lied on, falsely accused. But he never allowed bitterness and envy and strife and jealousy or revenge, amen, or malice coming to his heart toward his brethren or that woman that lied on. I read us that. It's over here in Genesis. Chapter 41, 51. Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Does that mean he forgot his father? No, because brother, in chapter 45, when he finally met his brothers again, the first thing he asked them, How's daddy? Is daddy still alive? And he said, Yeah, daddy's still alive. Folks, he ain't forgot. Because as soon as his brothers came into his presence, he immediately knew his brothers. But they didn't know him. What he's saying the Lord he called his son Manasseh for God. God hath made me forget my toil. See, he has maintained that horizontal fellowship with God. Amen. And and brother, he couldn't be in the fellowship with God and harbor hatred and ill will and malice. Even toward those that have wronged him unjustly. He said, I choose to forgive. They ain't come to him asking for forgiveness. They ain't requesting it. They ain't repenting. But he just chooses to be right with God. I'm letting it go. Then he called the second son Ephraim in verse 52. For God has called me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Boy, I'm in the land of affliction. But he's maintaining that right fellowship. I ain't worried about all that happening way back 120 years ago. I'm just letting it go. I'm not going to allow that to ruin what I have with God right here. Right now, in the present. And, folks, that's where we walk with God in the present. Right now. We need God right now. And anything that's between us and God right now needs to be dealt with. And so, therefore, He is forgiven. Then as you keep reading that story, you know there comes a knock on the door. It's his brothers. And they come in and bow themselves down at his feet. And then the Bible says he remembered the dream. This is it. I mean, I am right where I am supposed to be. Watch this now. In the kingdom work God. Of God. Hmm. But what if he was still back yonder living 20 years ago in hatred and malice and envy and ill will and evil speaking and just... If they ever show their face, I'll cut their head off. But they came in and bowed themselves to them. He remembered the dream. This is what he told them forty five verse five. Here's how you know he forgave them. Therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourself. He's talking to them. That you sold me here. Look what he said. Don't be angry, don't be grieved. Because you sold me here. I mean, brother, he ain't. What have y'all done? Listen, you sold me into slavery. I've been in prison for over 20 years, and, and I'm telling you, you, do you understand what you've done to my life? No, don't be angry. Don't be grieved. You sold me here, but watch this. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Folks, the kingdom work of God is being advanced. Amen. <clears throat> Do you think God chose Joseph? I mean, I, I mean, Jacob had all him other sons. But God chose Joseph. Gave Joseph the dream. Because I think the Lord knew Joseph's heart that Joseph would forgive. And that God's work would unfold. Because, brethren, if Joseph would have harbored unforgiveness, the work of God would be grieved. But because he forgave, amen. He said in verse 7 God sent me before you to preserve your posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance, amen. Man, God has positioned me in the place, amen, to save your life. He said, I'm not going to lower the boom on you. I'm here to save you, amen. God sent me ahead of you. This is how you know forgiveness is there. He's wanting them to be blessed. Because what? If we forgive our debtors, we'll also be forgiven. And brother down there it said he fell on their neck he wept and he kissed them all. He kissed them all. Amen. Unilateral forgiveness because he had the horizontal connection of fellowship with God. Now that's a long introduction but we'll get back to the text. Now We have been reading in 1 Corinthians 6 each night also, so let me read it again. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor infemines, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now we've covered that the first night and the second night we was talking about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God working in this process of forgiveness in our lives. But tonight I want to back up it said, in the name of the Lord. Why does he say in the name of the Lord? Because in His name there's authority. It's His authority, His ability, and His attributes is in His name. That's why He says, anything you ask in My name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, I'll do it. In My name, amen. In My authority. And So therefore we see forgiveness comes in His name. Let me, a little more foundation before we get started. In the book of Exodus, Moses, back up on the mountain, listen what God says in Exodus 34 and verse 5, about this name. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, here's His name, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in kindness, goodness, and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And who will not... And who will by no means, which is clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children and the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, Let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people. Pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. Now, Moses said, "The Lord, I know we're a sinful bunch at best, but I know that you are a God who pardons sins. Moses knows God. He knows God. God is speaking to him. And Moses, remember, he asked to see the face of God. And God said, no, I'm not going to show you my face, but I'm going to show you what I want my people to know me by. This is my glory, that I am merciful and gracious, long-suffering goodness and truth and, and, and forgiving iniquities and trespasses. That's His glory, amen. That's His character. That's who He is. A God who pardons. So we see here, By His name. But notice in verse 7 it says that (laughs) He will not clear the guilty. Now what does that mean? I mean, we're all guilty. All have sinned. and comes short the glory of God. We're all guilty. And if God don't clear the guilty, I mean, how can there be any hope? No, what He is saying? Listen, if you come to me knowing who I am and confess to me, what does it say? Walk in the light as He is in the light. Without fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. As I put my faith and appropriate my faith in who He is, the God that pardons, then I I can have fellowship with God. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But i got to appropriate that faith. That I'll come to Him and call upon Him, confess to Him, repent of my sin, then He's going to do what He said He's going to do because that's who He is. Watch it now. But if I refuse, And like old Ahithophel bear that evil speaking and malice and grieve and envy and jealousy and contention. Then I'm guilty. And I'm going to have to bear that. It's not under the blood. Guilty. Because we won't appropriate faith. So I'm responsible for my own sin at that time. Under the judgment of God, whether you're a sinner or a saint, I ain't got time to go up them roads. So therefore, let's get back to the text and kind of get going. So in our text we read in Micah God said who is a God like unto thee? First thing we see here is the character of God. Who is like thee? For there, there is no God like this God. This God of the Bible. All the gods of the world, amen. They're, they're gods of man's imagination and, and, and rationalization. This God is uniquely and separately and sovereignly the only one true living I am. God. The God of all of creation. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Everything was made by Him and for Him and for His glory. In heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things, amen. And God created us in His likeness and His image for His glory. And the Bible says as man we are the crown of His creation. There is no God like this God. Not only is He the God of creation, but He's the God of salvation. Because Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the Word. Salvation ain't an afterthought with God. Amen? I mean, God knew what was going to happen when He created us. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? God knows it. So He is the God of salvation. Psalm sixty. 8:19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Brother, He is the author and finisher of our faith. And he that's begun a good work in you will complete it. And so not only is this God unique in creation and salvation, but brother, in our consummation. The Bible tells us in Revelation over there, brother, there is coming a day, amen, when God will be with us and dwell with us and He will be our God, amen, and we're going to get a glorified body and brother, we're going to be in the new heavens and the new earth and like the brother saying, amen, brother, all the scars of sin and shame and blame that we bear in these bodies of flesh in this present evil world will be removed, Amen. He's a God that pardons. Who is like unto thee, O God? So we see the character of God. David, remember, he was depressed and despair and his displeasure because he had sinned against God. Listen, what David, as he cries out in Psalms 130, In verse 1. Out of the depths. Look he's in the depths of despair. Out of the depths I have cried unto thee O Lord. Lord hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou Lord shouldest mark iniquities. Watch it. O Lord who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee. Thou mayest be feared. i wait for thee, Lord. My soul doeth wait. And in thy words do I hope. Brother, he knows God. David knows God. And remember, it was God that chose David to be king. I mean, Samuel was going to pick somebody else. But God in His sovereignty chose David knowing he was going to commit adultery and murder. But He said, David's a man after my own heart because He will fulfill all my will. God knew David would get broken over his sin and God does not despise a broken and a contrite heart. And David in the depths of his despair, he's crying out to God. He said, God, who can stand in your presence if you mark sin? And God does mark sin. Amen. Brother, that's why it says, at the great white throne judgment, amen, the books were open. You see, there's the guilty. They have refused to confess their sins and call upon the Lord that they might be forgiven, that they might be saved. No, amen. Therefore, they're guilty for their own sins. And there they stand at the great white throne judgment of God. And the books are open. And they're judged out of the marks that are written in the book, their sins. They're all recorded. praise god he's the god that pardoneth amen when we come to him and we confess our sins to him and call upon him thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus shall believe in thine heart god raised it from the dead thou shalt be saved saved from the coming wrath of god the judgment of god for your sin now because jesus christ has become the propitiation for our sin amen taking the wrath of God upon Himself to satisfy the holy demands of God. And by His blood shed at Calvary, He blotted out the book, amen, the marks of sin against us, amen. He took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. There's no God like this God. A God that pardoneth sin. David knew that. That's why he comes to him and he cries to him and he calls upon him. This is what he said in 86. Psalms 86, verse 5. For thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive, plentious, In mercy unto those who call upon thee. Listen folks. God's waiting. God is waiting for us to come to Him. And confess to Him. He's wanting us. Amen. To come to Him. He's willing to forgive our sins. That's who He is. That's His nature. Forgiveness. That's His character. It's His character to forgive. So we see there is no God like this God. It said, as David cried in verse 4, that thou mayest be feared. That's not that I'm going to fear you, that I'm going to be thrown into hell. No. What he is saying now? Because that I have been forgiven. Amen. Now I'm going to walk in a reverential fear. Knowing that it is in me still to sin against God. And I don't want to sin against Him. I don't want to sin against His loving kindness. I don't want to provoke Him to wrath. He loved me when I was unloving and ungodly. And folks, that's what salvation is. It's a love affair that's reciprocal. Amen. We love Him because He first loved us. And we see that love. Amen. That He, in His forgiveness. So David... Was ready like many Christians, amen, in churches today just to quit on God. Oh, sinful man that I am, amen. I've committed adultery. I've committed sin. How can God ever use me now in the kingdom work of God, amen. I'm just going to go out. I'm going to flee from the house of God and go live like the heathen. But no, David knew God. I know. He forgives. And folks, that's what moved him to come to God and cry out to God and call upon God and confess his sins to God. In Psalms 51, we'll not go to it. We read it to the night, O oh God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou best be just when thou judgest, O oh Lord. Listen, he knows Saul... Saul's kingdom was ripped from him by God for the lesser sin than what he has done. But you listen, he that knows to do good and do it not to him, it is sin. See, that's our problem. We try to, we try to judge sin. Well, that's a big sin. That's a little sin. No, sin is sin. Sin. And so he knows God ripped the kingdom out of Saul's hand because of his rebellion. Rebellion is the same as witchcraft and idolatry. Now David is upon his face and he's crying out to God for forgiveness because he knows he is a God that forgives. Amen. And brother, and he, he, he wants to serve God in a fear, amen, a fear that I will sin against Him again and I don't want to sin against Him again. And so we see that forgiveness is the character of God. But let me move on. Also in our text in Michael, we see not only the character, but compassion compassion He says he delighteth in mercy He will He will have compassion on us Forgiveness don't come because we deserve it not by anything that we merit his forgiveness it's his nature to forgive This is grace I mean the compassion of God. Remember the the good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite pass by. See the man in the ditch. And just keep moving. we got religious ceremonies to perform. Priest and the Levite represent... Religion and the law. They pass by because religion nor the law can save. But it said the Samaritan came and had compassion on him. That don't mean he looked at his oh bless his heart, and just keep walking. See, we think that's what compassion is, just acknowledging somebody else's suffering and, oh, just bless them. No, compassion is the motivation and the activation to get involved. To do something. And the kingdom work for the glory of God. And, brother, the Samaritan, and in John chapter 8, they called Jesus a Samaritan. And that's why when he's given the story, amen, I he said, a certain Samaritan. Brother, he went to the man in the ditch, amen. I mean, he had been beaten and left for dead, stripped. Helpless and hopeless, but the Samaritan came to him, took of his own substance and poured in the oil and the wine into his wounds, bound up his wounds, that there may be healing. Put him on his own beast of burden, carried. To the inn. Placed him under the innkeeper and paid the bill. What's the word for that? In advance. And he also said, if there's anything else owing when I come, I'll pay it. Boy, if we just got to handle of that, boy, we'd have a spayling. Not only am I forgiven of my sin. And as the brother said, as we walk through this present evil world and we do sin, but not only have... I've been justified and sanctified and washed and cleansed, amen. But brother, every time I come to Him, and Lord, I've sinned now. I've sinned today, amen. Brother, how many times will this God forgive us? See, that's our problem. We think we're going to exhaust the forgiveness of God. And I do it repeatedly, over and over and over. And oh God, there's going to come a time when God's going to have enough. Remember they asked the Lord the question, How many times should I forgive my brother? He said seven times seventy. And he wasn't getting into a definite number. No, no, what he was said is indefinitely. Every time your brother asks forgiveness, give it to him. Brother, we cannot exhaust the forgiveness of God. Mm. Our sins future. Is already paid for. That's right. Whew! That's good. Praise God. Amen. That's right. See, that's what this forgiveness is. It's compassion. Now, I'm not saying that gives us a license sin. Shall we continue in sin? That grace fell down? No, God forgive me. If you have a desire to habitually, continually... Brother, when you were born again of the Spirit of God, we saw that last night. The Spirit of God is in you, Amen. And brother, every time I get out of step with God, the Holy Ghost starts convicting me. This is sin. This ain't right. You better back up. You better repent. Now I just keep walking. Now I keep walking. Listen, notice it says First John in two one. I write these things on the children that you sin not. Now I don't want to sin. But I'm not so naive to think that I don't sin. I write these things that you sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate to the Father. It's Jesus Christ the righteous. You know what he said? There's some more that builds. Sorry to get prepaid. Amen. See, when we leave here tonight, none of us... Well, I'm going to fall down the park a lot and I'll break a hip tonight. Tonight's a good night. No, none of us plans to do that. We don't desire to do that. But if you do do that, we can take it to a hospital. Amen? Or some healing can take place. And that's what he's saying. I don't desire to sin. I don't want to sin. But if I do sin, I have an advocate to the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Watch this. The next verse says, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins with an S. What that means? More than one. Hate. Compassion. Grace. Let me give you the last one we'll quit. We've seen the character of God. We've seen the compassion, which is grace of God. But listen, here's the last thing. The casting. It's gone. He said in our text, he said, I will cast our sins to the depth of the sea. Now we've always heard, you know, God's going to throw my sins in the sea of forgetfulness. No, that ain't what he said. And I haven't found it yet exactly where God forgets it. But God said he does forgive it. He cast our sins into the sea, and he says he remembers them no more. Now, here we see in the Old Testament is a picture of the scapegoat, and I won't tarry because it's getting late. I don't like long winded preachers. In the Old Testament, they'd bring the two goats to the priest, he had taken and sacrificed the one. Upon the brazen altar. That's the altar of judgment. Here's the sacrifice for sin. But he'd take the blood. He'd put it upon his hands. And he'd put it upon this other goat. And put the blood upon that goat. And they'd take their goat out of the camp. And lead it far into the wilderness. To see it no more. As he carried their sin away. And that was a figure and a picture. Christ, Because you know what they had to do? They had to do that on the Day of Atonement once a year. Because it's constantly reminded of their sinfulness. And the judgment of God. And the cost. We're not redeemed with silver and gold or vain traditions received of our fathers. But with the precious blood of the Lamb without spot, without blemish. And brother Jesus Christ is the sacrifice... For our sins but also listen what John the Baptist say behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world and let me close right here with this final text in the book of Hebrews and he says it like this amen in chapter 10 it says for by which we were we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all Now, do we believe that? Remember what I said? We're going to have that same faith we had to appropriate for our salvation. We're going to have to appropriate that faith into our sanctification as we walk with God. That God, by His nature, forgives. And yes, I know my sin. I've confessed it to God. I hate it. I repent of it. So once and for all, and every priest standing daily, ministering, offering often the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. See, that's some animal sacrifices over and over. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, S, forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Why, it's a done deal. For henceforth, expecting to the enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever the Them that are sanctified. Amen. Perfected forever. And the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after He has said before, This is the covenant I will make of them of those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds I will write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walks not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now remember over there in Revelations where it talks about there's no more sin, no more suffering, no more separation. When we get into His glorious presence, Notice it also says there in that text that there's no more sin. Because the mighty says he takes our sins and casts them to the depths of the city. To remember them no more. Brother, when we come in to the fullness of his glory in eternity. That sea that our sins have been cast into—that he remembers no more. It's no more. He said, "There's no more sin. It's gone." How gone is gone? Gone. Father, tonight, help us. Help us tonight to desire our horizontal fellowship with you above all others. To the degree, Lord, that whatever it is, grieving or quenching or spiting, the furtherance of your kingdom in me and through me for your glory, by the Spirit of God, make it known to me that I may repent of it, Lord. Give me a space to repent. God, that I may be used of you for your purpose, of your high, heavenly, holy calling, that you'll be glorified. Don't leave us to ourselves. We need thee, O oh Lord. Right here tonight in this sanctuary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand to